All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. If you're listening early here, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Really appreciate it, whether it's on the audio side, the YouTube side, however you get your content. Thank you so much for tuning in. On this episode, we are going to be chatting about uh, first the Denver Nuggets losing to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Final score, that one was 110-89. Nuggets didn't even crack 90. Uh, not Not a great sign, but I promise I won't be a Debbie Downer. This is more of just a general commentary on why things happened the way that they did, what Nuggets fans can and should take away from it. Uh, but then you you see the the thumbnail of this podcast, you see the title of this podcast. We will talk about the in-season tournament in the second segment. I do want to make that a fun thing for people to hear about. Some Nuggets fans have talked to me about, I don't really care about this. This is not really for me. And I understand that perspective. I understand that for sure. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about why. And I think it should be a good piece of content. So make sure to stick around for that conversation. All right, but first we have to get the uh, get the vegetables out of the way, if you will. Denver loses to Minnesota, final score one ten to eighty nine. And my general big takeaways from this one: Denver did not deal with the size very well of the Minnesota front court. They just didn't. They were not good enough. And there are a variety of reasons for that. There are things that Denver would do in a playoff setting that are obviously different from what they would do in a regular season setting, especially in game five of the regular season after coming off of a 4-0 start. Yeah, the the dream is dead. Long live 82-0. That was going to be a thing. Obviously, Denver wasn't going 82-0. They have to lose at some point. And I kind of saw this coming. I talked about this with Sandy and Sean on the radio show earlier today, if you listened. And my general takeaway from it was that Minnesota had a lot to prove in this one. They did a lot of things where they were locked in. They made sure that their rotations were crisp, that they were physical, that they were defending without fouling, and they forced the Nuggets to make tough plays. And the Nuggets just didn't make them tonight. Like Jamal Murray is a tough shot maker. And he didn't make any of them tonight. He was very, very cold. And I made the joke online, hey, you take a dip in the Great Lake before warming up for pregame. That's going to help. That's going to happen sometimes. And it just looked like he couldn't throw a pee in in the ocean in the first half if he wanted to. He was even missing free throws, which is very, very rare. So on one hand, what did the T-Wolves do to kind of disrupt him? Well, they used Jaden McDaniels, who is a six foot eleven wing player who is absolutely dynamic as a defender. His length and his athleticism, they make him such a tremendous option to go against a guy like Jamal Murray, where a lot of what Jamal likes to do as a bigger guard, and he is a bigger guard, is take advantage of the space that he can create over the tops of smaller guys, whether it's in the mid-range, whether it's going to the rim, whether it's stepping back for three, things like that. The T-Wolves were able to drop, and they were able to drop a guy like Carl Anthony Towns into the paint 
they made sure to cut the paint off first. And then when Murray was trying to navigate the mid-range, he's got Jaden McDaniels, a six foot eleven of him with a seven foot two wingspan, just always in his grill, always around him. And it was very clear that that was the game plan for the T-Wolves. They wanted to take away the easier shots for Jamal Murray. And there were some post-ups and isolations that Jamal tried. And there was one point on the left wing where he gets it. He usually gets it against a point guard and he can go to work. He can back down the six foot two guy, the six foot three guy, even a guy that's the same size as him at six foot five. He can still create a shot over the top. He tried to like he, he initially had that instinct to try to back down the six foot 11 Jaden McDaniels decided not to do it because that would be crazy. And then he settled for a jumper where he had to throw a moon ball up at the rim because Jaden McDaniels is very athletic and contested the shot really, really well. So this is just going to be a tough matchup for him specifically, and one that Denver did not have to face in the playoffs last year. They just didn't. Jaden McDaniels punched a wall, broke his hand, was out for the playoffs, and they instead went to Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who did a great job against Jamal Murray, if you remember, but is only 6'5", 6'6". Jaden McDaniels is six inches taller than him. I'm not kidding. Like, he really is. So that is why this happened. That's why it happened for Jamal Murray specifically. And then with Jokic, he got some plays to go. He wasn't perfect himself by any stretch. He he made a few more shots. But one of the things that happened tonight, Carl Anthony Towns, I thought, did a pretty good job defending him. And he was able to be very aggressive because he didn't have to step out on Jamal Murray as often. And he also had Rudy Gobert protecting him from the from behind. Aaron Gordon was ineffective in this game. He was non-existent in this game because they could not play him because he was not spacing the floor. He's got to be better. He's got to be more willing to take threes. He's got to be more willing to make Rudy Gobert pay for collapsing into the paint. Gobert was dynamic tonight as a defensive force. And the reason for that was because he could hang out around the rim without any fear of Aaron Gordon shooting. That was always going to be a thing. And what Aaron Gordon did last year to kind of combat it was sometimes he would run pick and rolls. Sometimes he would spot up in the corners and above the break, but he would be willing to shoot those threes. And he hit enough of them to keep the defense honest. Didn't take any until he shot one in the left corner tonight and missed it pretty badly. So I... I think that the T-Wolves are a surprisingly good matchup against the Nuggets. I think that they are very, very good. They've got a guy in Anthony Edwards who can get downhill on defense, who can put pressure on Jokic, and they've also got the size on the defensive end to absolutely thrive. Um, he is like, like Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Jaden McDaniels. That is an elite trio if you are going against the Nuggets specifically, and then Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed coming off the bench, and they're not exactly slouches on that end either. So there is a lot of size that Denver just has to deal with, and they try to figure it out. There are things that they can do and that they will do going forward, but in a matchup in game five of the regular season, I'm not surprised they kind of got caught off track. Snow Wolf, uh, Swipa is actually, he flew back to Atlanta or to where he stays um, tonight. So I don't think he was on line as much as he usually is, but he is back. uh, He's going to uh, back home, at least for a little bit. He'll be back out here in short order. I have no doubt we'll continue to film content for sure. 
by the way, if you guys haven't checked out the the video that Swipe and I filmed and then was posted this afternoon, make sure to check it out. That's in studio, really good, really good studio at Mile High Sports that we were able to to utilize and and share together and had a good time with. So hopefully you guys can uh can check that video out on the on the MHS YouTube as well. Couple more before we go to the in-season tournament. Michael Porter. That's one that we got to talk about, right? Jokic was fine. He had 25 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Not as many assists as you would want, but Denver shot 6 of 32 from 3. Part of that was because Michael Porter shot 0 of 5. 5 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist. Did have a steal and a block. The steal that he had was nice. He was in proper position. I remember it vividly. He was doing a great job of operating the weak side of the pick-and-roll defense. And when I think it was Anthony Edwards tried to throw the pass over the top, Porter picked it off because he's so big and he was in good position to be able to pick off the pass. It wasn't a bad pass specifically, but Porter just made a good play on the ball. Defensively, he's okay. Like, Jaden McDaniels had a couple buckets against him. A couple guys had a couple buckets against him. Mike Conley specifically tore Denver to shreds tonight. He was 17 points, 7 of 9 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. Six assists, zero turnovers. Mike Conley was a menace tonight and might have been the best player on the floor, if we're being honest. Um, Porter was not good. And Porter was, he was fine defensively, but the offense continues to elude him a little bit. He's now down to 10 of 32 on, on three-pointers. That's only 31%. And it feels worse than that. It really does. Like There are some plays that he makes and there are some shots that he takes where he is clearly in rhythm, and you expect those to go in every time. And when he goes 0-5 tonight, including on some shots where he was just like he was open, he was in rhythm, he was off of a good feed from the Nuggets. Like those are shots that he's just got to make. Those are shots he's got to take and and play well with. So I'm kind of surprised that he's not playing that well. Maybe in retrospect, I shouldn't be because hey, you you miss the entire preseason with an injury, it takes a while to get back up to speed. But it was pretty clear, at least from the get-go, that the rest of the guys were pretty well up to speed, even in the preseason. So maybe Porter getting injured. He got injured in training camp, so it's not like he had a bunch of extra time running with the starters and figuring things out then either. But And he's also a shooter. Like Shooters are all about rhythm. Shooters are all about mentality. So it could just be taking him a bit. I am still a little bit worried, and the reason why I'm still a little bit worried is because he, look, the comments from Calvin Booth stick out in my head. I don't know how much those are affecting him, if at all. Like, that, that is purely conjecture on my part. But when it comes down to how involved he is, it is very easy for him to just become a floor spacing wing and not do much more than that. Because, frankly, that's what he is. Denver runs the horn set all the time with KCP and Michael Porter Jr. spacing the floor. They run it with Murray, Gordon, and Jokic at the top of the key. Gordon and Jokic at the the elbows. And Denver obviously has some variations of, of different things that they do. But if you ask me to call what Denver's base set was, it's horns. And Michael Porter's in the corner, as far away from the play as possible most of the time. KCP has the pet play, where he 
gets into his action off the left wing and Jokic is on the left elbow and they run a nice DHO and, and KCP pulls up for a mid-range two and it, he goes in a lot of the time. It's very buttery. I don't know what MPJ's pet action is in this Nugget scheme. I'm not sure he really has one right now. I'm not sure they're really running a ton of those actions right now either. And part of that could be the lack of involvement. But you would think that after all of the years that he's been in the Nugget starting lineup and taking advantage of the skill set that he has, that I could actually envision what he has within the playbook that's really run for him. He does have plays. Like there are some plays that he runs where, okay, he, he starts on the baseline or he starts in the corner and then kind of merges together. They do some rub actions and then he comes up to the top of the key and receives a DHO from Jokic. And there are some times where it's kind of like, it could be a variety of guys and it just happens that the read is his and then he comes get, comes to get the ball. But he should have something at some points that becomes unstoppable, right? There should be some sort of play that the Nuggets can go to on a consistent basis that actually gets him going. And I just don't see them getting to it for whatever reason. For most of the time, he is a floor spacer. He is not taking a bunch of twos. He is mostly taking threes. Uh, I think he's taken more, like way more threes than he's taken twos so far. And part of the reason for that is because of the ankle injury, I have no doubt. But for the majority of it, I think it's because he's not as involved as maybe he could be. There are definitely times where, and Snowwolf, you say here, I feel like I feel like MPJ is our fourth option. Might be their third. Like if we're being honest, before tonight, MPJ was averaging, I have almost very little doubt. Okay, so KCP's averaging eight shots per game. Porter was averaging 10.5. Gordon was averaging 10.3. So right now, technically, he's the third option, but it is a distant third behind Jokic and Murray. Like, those guys are clearly the stars. That's fine. Denver likes to share the ball around. What Denver's offense really is, is mostly about sharing the basketball. And whoever's open is the one that gets the shot. Doesn't feel like Porter's getting open a ton. Or maybe it's just not what they're looking for at the time. I'm not sure what it is, but it doesn't feel like he's super involved right now. And I would like to know how the Nuggets are going to get him back involved. Or if this is a situation where Michael Malone is basically going to say, Porter has to make himself involved, which he said before. He said before that Porter has to be reading the floor and be proactive and try to get downhill and do those things. And maybe he hasn't felt comfortable doing it so far just while trying to fit in and get back to playing basketball. Tonight, I think, was kind of a a pin drop moment where he did not play well and he did also not get involved. And in the few times where he was really involved, they didn't go well. So I think they're going to try to make this an emphasis heading into Friday and we will see what happens against the Mavericks. That should be a good matchup for him where the Mavericks are going to go small. They're going to switch a lot of stuff and they are not going big against the Nuggets. Like that's just not going to happen. So he, he might have Luca guarding him at times. He might have, I don't know, Josh Green or a rookie or Tim Hardaway Jr., guys like that guarding him at times. That should be a pretty good matchup for him. Like these last couple of games, he has not had fantastic matchups. And this could be a great option for him to 
really get going. He likes to play against Dallas. He's played against Dallas pretty well over the years. All right, that's enough of that. We don't have to talk about this anymore. Let's move on. And But before that, let's take a break. When we come back, we will chat about the in-season tournament and everything you need to know as a Nuggets fan about what's coming up here first. But first, everybody, did you know that you can refer a friend and earn $50 this season with Superbook Sports? Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link underneath your profile in the Superbook app. There's plenty of options there, but this is one that actually gets you some money. You share that promo code with friends when you click on that pro that link underneath your profile, and you will get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Can it be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show? Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. All right. Let's now transition into why everybody should want to be here. The in-season tournament. Uh, This is going to be a fun thing, I think. Maybe it won't be. Maybe maybe there's a possibility that this is just going to flop this is not going to do well but i in general when the nba tries to do new things they have talked about a mid-season tournament for a long time they talked about the play-in games and those turned out to be a success it's interesting it was actually spawned by the nuggets and the t-wolves where everybody saw how at the end of 2018 in game 82 that Denver and Minnesota were going at it. It was a massive success trying to figure out which was going to be the last team into the playoffs. And there were a lot of people that watched it and really, really enjoyed that game. So I think that it's going to be fascinating to see how a new addition to the schedule really affects things. And there are going to be lots of reasons, I think, to step in and figure it out. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what it is. Why? Well, what the Nuggets are going to do, which games are they playing, why you should care, and why the Nuggets will care whether they will or not. So let's start with Denver's group. They are playing in West Group B against four other teams. Dallas, Houston, the LA Clippers, and the New Orleans Pelicans. It's interesting. All those teams in the Southwest except for the Clippers and the Nuggets. So three Southwest teams, Denver and Dallas, or and uh, Clippers. Denver's probably the best team in this group. Like, clearly, they are the world champions, and or the NBA champions, excuse me. Don't want to get into that conversation. Uh, but they are the former champions and deserve all the credit. I am curious to see which of these teams really step up. Dallas looks better than I think most expected. Clippers are playing really, really well right now. I think they might go, or we'll see where they are currently right now. Let me just check the box score here real quick. Oh, oh, they are. Oh, they tied with the Lakers going into overtime. Oh, man, that is a 
That was crazy. I just I didn't notice that one. Uh, LeBron James really really stepping up and having himself a big game. Uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard playing pretty well. All right, we'll we'll see how that goes. But Clippers playing pretty well this year, and New Orleans has gotten off to a pretty good start as well. So this is a this is a good group. This is a competitive group outside of Houston, and Houston is also a team that can upset somebody if they get hot, if they get right, and let's say. Denver kind of shoots the way that they did tonight, then maybe they drop a game against Houston that they didn't expect to. So this is the factor. You have five teams in your group. There are six total groups. The group winners each go to the quarterfinals. If you win enough games, even if you don't win your group, you could still make a wild card slot in one wild card slot for the Western and Eastern Conference each. And what's going to happen there is each of those teams are going to play against each other in the quarterfinals. Let's say Denver goes 4-0. They are likely to be either a one seed or a two seed, maybe a three seed in their group or in the, in the overall seedings. And they might play the wild card team. They might play uh, one of the other top teams in, in their group. And if they win that game, then they are going to go to Las Vegas. And Las Vegas is going to host both the semifinals and the finals of this tournament. And that should be fun. That should be an interesting event. I may or may not be able to attend that. We'll we'll see what happens there. We'll see if Denver's even in the in-season tournaments at that point, but uh we will we'll just have to check in. While that is happening, there are so eight teams are playing in this tournament in those quarterfinals. While that is happening, on, I believe it's December 4th and December 6th. On December 5th and December, you know, let me let me just check this just to confirm. Um, I don't want to get my dates wrong. In-season tournament schedule. Um, yeah, so if Denver, let's say they were to win, they would face off. Um, gosh, where are those days? Why is this so full in season tournament schedule? Um, okay, well, either way, so on two of those days, it's I think it's the fourth and the sixth, and then there's uh, the sixth and the eighth. The games will go on. They will they'll be played the quarterfinals and the semifinals. And the finals, I think, will be on the 9th of December, if I'm not mistaken. It might be on the 10th. But on those other games, there will be two games in the schedule that are crafted for the teams that don't make the in-season tournament. So no matter what, the Nuggets are going to play during that stretch. So Nuggets fans, don't worry. You're going to be able to watch games that those games are actually going to count for the regular season, regardless of if Denver goes to the in-season championship or not. Um if they do win in Vegas, if let's say they were in the final four and they win in Vegas, then they will play an 83rd regular season game for the NBA Cup. And the players each will have a chance to earn $500,000 uh, in prize money, which for Nikola Jokic probably doesn't mean a lot. For Braxton Key and Jay Huff and Colin Gillespie probably means a tremendous amount. So I think that for that reason, a lot of these guys will play for their teammates. A lot of these guys will 
play so that everybody can have that prize money, knowing that for especially for the younger players, like it does mean something. I don't think that veterans like they they may decide that they don't care. They may decide that if they have to make a choice that they will. But most of these guys, like if, if they're good teammates, if they're good players, then they will try. And I think that for like it's going to create some interesting, some very, very interesting situations, I'll say. So here's Denver's in-season tournament schedule. Friday, November 3rd, that's in two days. If you're listening to this on Thursday, it's tomorrow. Um, Friday, November 3rd, the Nuggets will play at home against the Dallas Mavericks. They play two games at home, two games on the road in this uh, tournament schedule. They'll play Dallas on November 3rd. They'll have a few games in between. And then on November 14th, 11 days later, they will play against the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Just for posterity's sake, Denver's schedule in that stretch is very interesting. So November 3rd, Denver plays Dallas. Then November 4th, second night of a back-to-back, this Saturday, they play a game. Then they play another game on the 6th. Then they play another game on the 8th. Then they have three days off, which should be a nice reprieve for not just them, but for me as well, because I'm exhausted. Uh, But they will certainly benefit, I think, from having those three days off. Then they take one game on the road to go to Houston, and then they come back home for one home game, and they'll play an in-season tournament game against the Clippers. Then they play another in-season tournament game a few days later, three days later, against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Let me just change that on the schedule here. Yeah, Friday, November 17th, New Orleans Pelicans. So they'll have two days off between those games. That will, like, rest won't affect them in that situation. I think that the the league definitely wanted to make that a, a reasonable thing. However, that New Orleans Pelicans game for Denver is the genesis of a five-game road trip. Friday, November 17th, they play against the Pelicans. Then Sunday, the 19th, they play at Cleveland. Monday, the 20th, they play at Detroit on a back-to-back. Wednesday, the 22nd, they play at Orlando. And Friday, November 24th, they go to Houston and play at Houston on their final in-season tournament game. So first couple of games, definitely not going to be affected by rest. Maybe even the third game, not even going to be affected by rest. That fourth game against Houston is going to be slightly tougher than I think people think because they're going to be pretty tough games in terms of like the um in terms of the the actual rest factor there so Houston if if they are still in the hunt for the regular season tournaments at that point then they might try pretty hard or the other side of it is if Houston has already been eliminated from the tournament let's say they go 0 and 3 in the other three tournament games Maybe they don't try. Maybe they're like, you know what? Screw this. We do not need to try in this tournament here, and we we don't have to do anything crazy. And maybe Denver gets an easy win at that point. So there are some interesting dynamics here that I think most people aren't really considering. And it should be very fascinating to see how it goes. Just to see how it goes. I'm curious to see the dynamics of this, because some players are going to love it. Some players are going to hate it. 
And I'm curious to see which of those players are which. Like, I have a feeling that... I have a feeling that Jamal Murray will really like this. And that he'll get up for it. He'll be very competitive. He'll develop that sense of competitiveness with something like this. If this is something that they can win, then he's going to try to win it. Um, Nikola Jokic, he's a competitive guy too. But this is very new. This is something that he doesn't really have any basis for testing this against anything. He what he didn't grow up in AAU where there's a lot of tournaments. Now he did obviously play tournaments when he's younger, but for lots of guys, they grew up playing the AAU style of, of play, which is kind of close to how this is. I don't know what this is going to look like. I, I don't know how this is going to go and which, which nugget guys are going to try. Uh, but like I said about the, the money factor, I think that a lot of guys will embrace that. And they'll embrace it, embrace it not just for themselves, but for their teammates too. And we'll find out. We'll just find out which of those guys are, are really playing for what. Peyton Watson will be playing hard. Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, those guys. And now Zeke did just get paid. So maybe he, he is going to play hard because I think that's how he's wired. But it is interesting to think about which of those guys will really try super, super hard in this. Now, if we look at some of... Uh, the other groups. Let me just pull this up here again. NBA season tournament schedule. Yeah, it should be very fascinating to see. West Group A has the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Lakers, the Blazers, and the Jazz. I like the Suns to come out of that group, but the Lakers are definitely a team that could absolutely push for that. Um, either of those teams are likely to come out. The Grizzlies starting 0-5 this year. Blazers are not good. Jazz, they're up and down. We'll we'll see how they we'll see how they fare, but I could definitely see the Suns or the Lakers coming out of that group. And then you look at, I don't know, West Group C. Warriors, Timberwolves, Thunder, Kings, Spurs. That should be funny to uh should be very, very interesting to see how it plays out there. But Warriors definitely seem like the team that would run away with that. But the Kings, they'd be pretty competitive in that situation, I think. So just going to have to track it and see how it plays out. Um, by the way, Warriors beat the Kings tonight for the, for the second time in a row. Uh, it was a close game, though. 102-101. Did that come down to the wire? Or it obviously came down to the wire. Was there a shot to win the game or something? Um, They did not get a shot off. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Should be fascinating. Uh, Clay Thompson blocked Harrison Barnes's jumper. Then Kings had a shot. Yeah. Okay. Interesting to see. Oh, Clay Thompson made a, a game winning shot. That's what it was. Fascinating. Ooh. Ooh. Going to be fascinating to see. Um, I am, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen with this in-season tournament. I think the Nuggets are going to try to win it. I think they they strike me as a team that most people on the outside would say, why do they need to win this? And I think that they're probably going to go pretty hard. I think they're probably going to go a bit harder on this than people expect. And that's going to lead to some pretty good play. And if they can say that they won the in-season tournament and the NBA championship in a row, then there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of stock there that they can, that they could take. And, winning both trophies in the NBA calendar instead of just one, that should be a fun thing. And maybe it depends, maybe it develops into something very competitive. I think the league is hoping that 
it develops into something that people care about. I think that they will care. There are going to be players that won't, but you don't think that LeBron would like to add a, a NBA Cup championship to his resume before he actually uh, before he actually retires from the league. That's one thing that Jordan could say that he never did. He never won an in-season championship. So somebody like LeBron, yeah, he would absolutely I think he's, he's frothing at the mouth for something like that. Uh, or maybe I don't know. Steph Curry's is like I would like this. I would like to be the first one to win this in history, and then that's a that's a notch above him or a notch above LeBron, and in that where he was able to do it, even when LeBron was in the league. So going to be interesting to see which teams are really competitive about it. I'd say Boston probably has to be the favorite with how they've played, but Denver, like as long as this last game isn't what the new normal is for for what Denver's kind of dealing with on the on both ends of the floor. I think that Denver has as good of a chance as any team to represent the the Nuggets on or represent the West coming out of their side of the bracket. So should be fascinating. All right, folks. Think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, if you can, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Like and subscribe on the YouTube side of things and support us in any way possible, uh, including watching that video from our in-studio setup between myself and Swipa. That was a, that was a fun video to record about how James Harden doesn't matter at all. So make sure to go check that out. Thank you so much, everybody for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.